Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Uh, periodically, we like to bring in some guests, some friends here to talk about aspects of the NCAA that might not be familiar to a lot of people here. If you're inside, within the boundaries, if you will, you understand it. But there are a lot of things that go on that the general public doesn't understand. One of them is the differentiation between Division I athletics, Division II athletics, and Division III athletics. Indeed, there are a lot of people that probably don't even know that there is a Division II and Division III in terms of athletics. So that's one of the things we thought we'd talk about here before, because there are significant differences. Um, and to do that, we're delighted to have our friend Dan Dutcher joining us, NCAA Vice President of Division Three, to help us understand all this. Dan, good to see you, as always. Good to see you, Jack. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Let me, let me start off with a, just a little bit of a preface as how, you've got, how you got here to the NCAA and how you became involved in, in the management of Division Three. I'd like to say that uh, college athletics was a career plan, but <laughs> it really wasn't. I'm very fortunate to uh, have fallen into the position I'm in. Um, but started with the NCAA about 33 years ago, primarily because the NCAA at that time was in Kansas City. I had a law and public administration background and knew some folks from law school had gone to work for the NCAA, and the job description sounded very appealing. Always been a college sports fan, but not talented enough to have been a student athlete. Um, but fell into uh, work with the NCAA, and over a series of uh, assignments, got to do more and more uh, interpretive work, legislative work, and then committee support work. And then ultimately, back in the mid-90s when the NCA was structured, I've been doing some support for Division Three President's Council and Management Council, and the association decided to establish vice presidential positions to help um, coordinate uh, the governance structure of each of those three divisions. So primarily, I support directly the President's Council and the Management Council, then I work with the other staff members who support the other, give or take, about 30 committees that make up the Division III governance structure. Give us a sense, if you would, of what it is that differentiates Division I, Division Two, and then your group, Division Three. You know, Jack, I think it really um, is a difference in the kind of student and student-athlete experience that you're looking for. Um, in Division Three. Um, you're really expected to um, have a realistic opportunity for co-curricular, non-curricular activities, things like study abroad, internships and externships. Our philosophy statement actually says that you should have realistic opportunities to participate in non-athletic endeavors, um, but also recognizes the opportunity to compete in athletics primarily because of the educational value it provides to the participants. So in Division III, um, schools aren't sponsoring athletics because it makes money, because it doesn't. They're not sponsoring athletics because there's some kind of public entertainment um, responsibility. We all like to see fans in the stands, but primarily schools are offering athletics because of that educational value um, that's part of the overall educational experience that um, our schools are committed to. Going back to the, the Greek model of a healthy body, sound mind type of thing? Exactly. How about the, the differences in sizes, average size of the institutions, Division three, let's say, enrollment as opposed to Division one enrollment? Well, D3 schools tend to be smaller. Um, they tend to be uh, private institutions. So we have about 80% of our membership that are private schools, about 20% public. We have a great diversity in terms of enrollment, um, but uh, 
the average enrollment's about 2,700, and the median enrollment's about 1,700. So typically, they're smaller schools, um, but they also are committed to offering a broad base of athletic opportunities. So although enrollment is small, typical Division three school offers about 19 sports. How does that compare to what we're seeing now? In, in, and again, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other, but how does that compare to what we're, what we're seeing, indeed what the trend has been in terms of Division one institutions and how many sports they're able to offer? You know, I think D1 um, sports sponsorship is, is somewhat comparable, but the enrollment is nowhere near the same. So in a typical Division three institution, you have about 25% of students are student-athletes Athletes, obviously, the percentage of participation in, in Division One and Division Two is, especially Division One, is much less. Um, how about how many schools there are, D- Division Three institutions, uh, and sort of comparing that to the, the the total percentage of member institutions across right. the board. Right, Division Three's membership is the largest among the associations, and I think that'll surprise a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, we have about four hundred and fifty schools, about yeah. forty four conferences. That's about forty percent of the NCAA membership. Yeah, and I think the other thing that that might surprise some folks is, is the, the notion of athletic scholarships. Right. How does that How does that work? comparing Division One to Division Three again? It, it, it's a real defining feature of the division. When the three divisions were created back in the, in the early 70s, one of the uh, initial commitments for folks, uh, for schools that wanted to be members of Division Three, is that athletic aid wouldn't be awarded. Um, a lot of folks will ask the question, why? And philosophically, it's a commitment, uh, it's a recognition that athletic aid comes with a commitment. It comes with a commitment in terms of time demands. It comes with a commitment in terms of attention. Um, in Division Three, the philosophy is to try to avoid any kinds of commitments that might get in the way of that full student experience. Um, it doesn't mean that athletic scholarships in the, in the student athletic experiencing the divisions is, are somehow um, not appropriate. It's just it's a commitment to a different kind of approach. In many ways, it's what you're looking at. Both of my children were, were Division One athletes. Uh, they both played lacrosse at Yale. Both of them were recruited by you know, really good Division Three colleges and the NESCAC, yes. um, which has some marvelous institutions, Division Three, And they, they kind of had to wrestle with it. You know, mm-hmm. They were saying, these are all great institutions right? You know, across the board. Um, you know, where they ultimately went, Yale, and the other ones that they looked at. Uh, and, and what they did is they compared experiences. Sure. Again, not, not trying to say one's better than the other, but which one works best for me. Right. And what I am looking to. Right. We, we try to emphasize the, the, uh, the opportunities for that full educational experience that a Division three student-athlete um, can have. So obviously there, there's a lot of educational opportunities created on the playing field, um, but in Division Three, you also maximize the opportunities to participate in co-curricular, extracurricular activities, study abroad, internships, the kinds of, of educational opportunities off the playing field that, um, that we see more and more parents and, and students are interested in um, to help maximize their opportunities after college. Let me tell you what my observation has been, and, and tell me if you think it's accurate across the board for Division Three. And I've traveled around. I've been to a lot of Division Three schools, and I've given talks there, and uh, I've seen athletic events there. And and invariably, my conclusion is, all right, it's a bit of a different approach, mm-hmm. but these young people are as devoted to their athletics 
as the people in the top echelon Division I sports programs. Is, is that a fair characterization? Absolutely. I, I really think it is. Um, students, student-athletes in Division Three are participating for the love of the game. The commitment that it takes in terms of time demands are very significant. Um, the rewards are significant, but the, the, the commitment has to be there from within the student-athlete. Um, and I think it's very remarkable that we have the most student-athletes in the association at about, uh, I guess it's about 38% of, of the NCAA student-athletes. Um, it's a significant commitment for the love of the game. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's surprising to a lot of people. They were... I. I was at an institution one time and a member of the community, the institution community, the Division Three institution, a number of members of the community were actually fairly astonished to find out that the young student-athletes on their campus were not the recipients of athletic scholarships. They just assumed, because they are college students and they're playing college sports, right. that some, most, all must be getting paid something for their athletics. And the response when, when we revealed that to them was, wait a minute, do you mean they do the same thing that every other student does, plus they do all these hours of their team? And I said, yeah, they do. Right. And, and as I said, they were fairly astonished by that. Do you find that, that same, in some ways, a lack of understanding amongst the public about what goes on in Division Three? You know, um, I, I think to, to uh, respond to the point you made about on campus, some of the research that um, we found suggests that a lot of uh, campus faculty who were trained in the Division I environment assumed that the student-athlete experience they saw in Division I is the same experience that student-athletes are having in Division Three. So there is a little bit of a disconnect. I think there's a disconnect with the general um, public as well, yeah. to some extent. Um, I think the prohibition on athletics aid is significant, but it's only one aspect of the Division Three experience, and sometimes um, it's the only feature of Division Three that folks in the general public know about. So one of the challenges that we have, I think, as a, as a Division Three advocates is to be sure that folks, number one, understand why athletics aid isn't awarded, but understand, number two, all the opportunities that come with the Division Three experience. Yeah. And, and when you look at the experience of the athletes, I'll tell you, my, my, my personal observation, again, having been to a number of these institutions, a couple of years ago, I went to, I was invited to come up and speak at Bowdoin, in, yes. uh, you know, one of the schools in the NESCAC, one of the great schools in the state of Maine. It's interesting how Maine has three of these great NESCAC schools within like in 20 my home miles. State, your home state, exactly. that's right, your home yes. state. So you, 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 know, you, have, you, have, you have Bowdoin um, and then you have Bates and I went to the Bowdoin-Bates football game. Oh, very good. And it was a great old building on the Bowdoin campus, like 100 years old. It was almost like the, the building that you would see kind of at, a, at an old race course with a covering over it. And there were, I, I'm going to guess that you had maybe 500 people there, but there were 500 people who were deeply involved in watching the right. game. And you had two teams of, of football players who were deeply involved in their game. And two weeks later, I went to my—I you know, played football at Yale. Two weeks later, I went to the Yale-Harvard game, you know, and we had about 60,000 people in the Yale Bowl. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, still both great experiences, and, and both experiences that made you walk away thinking, this, this is the value of college sports. One was bigger. One was smaller. 
but still great opportunities for young people to play, great opportunities for people to watch and to be part of and to be a partisan in all the best senses of the terms. So that, that sort of underscored for me the notion that you don't have to be big. You don't have to pack a stadium to have entertaining entertaining football, although the, my hosts at Bowdoin were very, pretty upset because they lost <laughs> the debates <laughs> sure. on, on that Saturday. But it is, again, does that sort of mirror what you have seen in the years that you've been working with? Oh, absolutely. I, I, think the, um, I think the benefits of the experience to the participants are every bit the same. And I think the benefits to... Um, the fans are every bit uh, the same. If, if when folks attend uh, a contest in Division Three who haven't attended before, invariably they comment about um, the quality of participate uh, of the play and how surprised they are at the quality of play, and um, how intense the play is and how committed um, the student athletes are. So I would encourage folks who haven't attended a Division Three contest to do so because I think they'll be very pleasantly surprised at, um, at how entertaining and how valuable the experience can be. And it's a little bit more of a personal link. It's not as big. It, um, you, you can get up a lot closer it is. <laughs> to the games and watch the games. It is. And, and interestingly enough, one of the uh, initiatives that, that we've launched as a division uh, within the last couple of years is called uh, Game Day the D3 Way, and it's really focusing on the game environment um, challenge that we have across the association. Let's be frank, it's not just a Division Three challenge. But one of the unique aspects of the game environment in Division Three is because the environments are more personal, um, fan behavior, comments, um, the way the, the contests are conducted it has, is a little bit of a more unique challenge in that environment than it is in a larger environment. What are some of the major issues? You know, we, we, this time of the year, you know, we're, we're just on the heels of the Final Four having been completed a couple of months after the, the uh, football championship had been completed. Right. So we, it, we, it tends to be a time when we hear a lot about the Division I issues. You know, right. what's going on? The basketball, the one and dones. Is that going to go away? Is the NBA, it's important right. for people to know, that's an NBA rule. That's not the NCAA Exactly. Rule. Is the NBA going to change that? Um, you know, the, the football and the transfer rules, right. uh, graduate transfer rules, both football and basketball primarily. Yep. Um, but how about Division Three? What, what are the issues that, that you think are, are most prominent right now for the Division Three programs and their athletic programs? You know, Jack, I'd say without question, and this isn't unique to intercollegiate athletics, it's really a more of a higher education um, issue. But right now the biggest issue that I think uniquely affects Division Three is enrollment management. Mm. Um, when you look at the demographics, um, the traditional uh, pools from which uh, colleges recruit and enroll students is changing, um, especially um, from a, a geographic standpoint um, with the population uh, trends in the Northeast and the Midwest, which are the traditional Division Three uh, areas. Um, those areas of the country, the populations are aging, um, population centers are shifting, and um, you're also, I think, overall seeing a decline in uh, the college age pool within the United States. Uh, and what that's generated, I think, is a much greater concern about institutions being able to enroll and retain students uh, at a level that um, can keep those institutions viable. Um, unfortunately, we've seen um, 
private institutions over the last few years closing. Quite a few, um, actually. Quite a few in the, in the Northeast, but, but not limited only to the Northeast. Um, since Division Three, uh, again, is primarily private and primarily um, smaller institutions from an enrollment perspective, um, those issues are, are very real in Division Three. We've seen several schools um, focusing on athletics as a way to boost enrollment and boost retention. I think uh, you had a conversation with uh, former Division III uh, President's Council Chair Jeff Docking in the, in yes. the, in the recent past, who is an expert right. on Which was on a that fascinating story on how he grew his enrollment exactly. by expanding his, his um, athletic programs. Exactly. Well, not every school has followed um, the model that Adrian has followed, but I would say most um, smaller private institutions are enrollment-driven. Um, and for them, athletics has become more and more a, a key in, uh, recruiting and enrollment tool. That comes with, um, that comes with some challenges. Um, institutions can add sports. That's great. But they need to recognize that just because you add a sport doesn't mean your work is over. In fact, your work is just beginning because every time you add a sport, you need to commit the resources, the personnel, access to facilities, uh, time management. It it brings up a host of additional um, issues that you need to be able to deal with if you're going to succeed with that sport um, that uh, that you offer. The other challenge, and I don't think we're there, but but philosophically, um, theoretically anyway, it's a challenge that I worry about is when athletics assumes a greater and greater role um, in keeping the institution open, you just want to be sure that the tail doesn't start to wag the dog, that athletics becomes so important at the institution that it loses its proper place within the overall academy. And again, I don't think we have that problem, but I am very uh, happy to to warn people to to, to not go there. Do you see any trend pushing that way, or are you just being sort of in a prophylactic sense saying, let's not get there? I think it's the latter, yeah. I I just want to, I just like to remind folks to to be sure that you keep athletics in, in the proper perspective in Division III. Division three, obviously, they, their their budgets are are going to be um, they'll correlate to their size of their institution, sure. the programs that they have. Sure. But periodically, you'll you'll see things coming from the 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 NCAA at large, and they'll talk about you know health and safety and welfare issues, right. and a lot of these they all make good sense, right? But a lot of them have a price tag that goes with them. So how do then how do the D three institutions deal with with some of these suggestions where it sounds great, but they don't have the resources that a Power 5 school might have to say, okay, we're going to divert a couple million dollars from, we've got it. Right. We'll just send it in a, in a different direction here to handle that. How do they do it? It's a very uh, important issue that um, our governance structure, in particular our President's Council, but but also our Management Council are very cognizant of. And, um, for example, when we see recommendations related to health and safety, um, sometimes those will have a price tag attached. Um, we try to come up with the, the, least, the most cost-effective way in which to um, address that particular issue. But I also think, Jack, at the same time, we need to recognize that some of those issues are risk management issues. And to not address those issues um, in a full, uh, complete fashion creates 
potential uh, expenses and, 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 and hardship that uh, are best avoided. So it's something that we try to work through um, with, our, with our staff and, and uh, with our membership uh, in a way that, that makes sense. But um, those issues aren't always easy to, to address. It's a whole lot more I want to talk to you about. Well, obviously, we'll do it another time. But last sure. question I want to run by you. Um, a little bit and get your perspective from the from the Division Three perspective. We hear so much now, and I mentioned it a few moments ago. We hear so much about the issues of, of transfers. Yes, you know, either graduate transfers or transfers who have not yet, you know, had just got to an institution and just for whatever reason it wasn't working. Right. Is that? And I don't know if it's as big a problem in Division One as some people make it. I think it's certainly a concern. That needs to be looked at mm-hmm. um, in, in from a variety of different ways. I look at it a little bit differently maybe as a former athlete than some other people do as a, as a parent of two uh, athletes. Um, that's a different conversation. Right. But from the Division Three perspective, is the issue of transfers something that is of significance to you? You know, Division Three uh, about 15 years ago adopted a, a very, um, I would say, permissive transfer standard. Um, Division Three student athletes can self-release um, when they decide that they would like to explore transfer opportunities to another Division Three institution. Um, there's a form that they can download on their own, sign it, send it to the school uh, about which they have interest, and then that institution can, can discuss a possible transfer. So I think Division Three has always taken a pretty permissive stand when it comes to uh, potential transfers. The one area where traditionally we've been a little more restrictive uh, relates to graduate students. And mm-hmm. I think that um, flows from our philosophy statement, which says in Division Three. Athletics participation is primarily focused on the undergraduate experience. For example, Division III doesn't permit redshirting. Right. Um, and so when it comes to graduate uh, participation, traditionally we haven't permitted graduate students other than through a waiver process where um, you've shown that academically um, you've been very successful and you, you've earned an opportunity potentially uh, to participate as a graduate student. Recently at a convention, um, we adopted legislation that makes that a little more permissive in that if you're coming from one Division three institution and you want to participate as a graduate student at another Division three institution, um, basically you're going, you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. We still have some restrictions on students who would like to come from Division one or Division two and participate as a graduate student in Division three. Um, we're continuing to look at that issue um, in terms of what kind of uh, participation experience uh, would allow you to, uh, to, to maybe take part in Division Three, But those standards are still high, and I think it's because our member, uh, membership feels that the Division Three experience is unique, and student-athletes who come in with a Division One or Division Two background have to be a good fit at the Division Three level for that, for that graduate year, or, or maybe it's not the best place for them. No. Well, it's a whole lot more we can talk about, but I, you know, I want to underscore the idea that as a former Division One athlete, I'm just an enormous fan of the Division Three and the way they handle things there. You know, just young people dedicated to their sports. Um, so if you haven't seen a Division Three game, go watch one. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Dan Dutcher, always a pleasure to have you here with us and to, to chat about all this. We'll look forward to ta- talking with you a little bit more down Thank the road. Thank you so much, Jack. Really enjoyed it. Okay. That does it for uh, this episode of the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking with you again real soon. 